everyone. Welcome into another episode of Without a Mic Podcast. I'm Roger Baugh. This is Spencer Cook. Uh, today we are back with a movie review. Um, if this is your first time joining us, this is the show where we cover all things movies, TV show, industry updates, life topics. Uh, this is episode 22, and we're going to be reviewing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, we're going to try something a little different this time. We're going to do a little preamble about what we've been talking about seeing uh we usually do this before we start recording but uh spencer was about to tell me what he saw this weekend he had a big weekend of movies so what what did you see what are you caught yeah up so i obviously saw multiverse of madness and then i i, I finally right. i finally got to go to uh the um the unbearable weight of massive talent with nicholas cage Ooh. And then I saw, what else did I see? Hold on. I saw something else in theaters and I can't remember what it was. Oh, um, I, it's a big weekend of movies. If you can't remember a movie, you saw in the theaters. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I got, I got to think back to what it was, but I mean, I started Ozark. So I started the first two episodes of the last season of Ozark. Um, I right guess on. I did see Sonic for the first time, like the first Sonic movie. I didn't see, yeah, oh, the and, first and one. honestly, man, like a little bit more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. So a little bit surprising there. Um, but maybe I have it caught up in my mind because I just barely did the the Northman popcorn review. The Northman. So I think that's, that's why I was like, oh man, I had such a big weekend of movies because that happened. So yeah, I mean, I think Multiverse of Madness was definitely the focal point of the weekend, but I was like, man, we were deciding between mm -hmm. going to Sonic 2 or Unbearable Way to Massive Talent, and so I, I chose that one. And also, a mutual friend of ours, um, he just texted me saying that that everywhere or anything everywhere all at once or something like that. Everything everywhere. All yeah, he at said it's his mm -hmm. favorite film. So that's that is now multiple times that people have reached out to me saying that this is their favorite film that they've seen up to date. So it, it tells me that I need to see that this week. Yeah, that that's the feedback I've heard on that one as well. And the one I'm most excited to see, and maybe a slight spoiler for this review, might be the better multiverse movie to come out this year. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we shared our sort of initial brief thoughts on Multiverse of Madness a couple days ago. We both saw it last week. Um, and I, I think we're in agreement so far from what I've seen, but let's jump into it because I've got a lot of thoughts. on. Let's this. do it. Let's do it. Um, and I'm sure everybody else has a lot but, of thoughts about it too. Yeah. Um, and this is something that I, I sort of expected. I mentioned this in our last episode, but we, this movie from what I had seen with initial reviews was very polarizing. It was either love it or absolutely hate it. And there wasn't a lot of in between. Um, I think I fall more on the... I don't. I wouldn't say I absolutely hate it, but I definitely didn't like it. Um, I, I, it wasn't my favorite, um, and and it's kind of a bummer because we've been talking about, you know, taking swings, taking risks, like doing something you're passionate about, um, and this felt sort of like that, but just in a way that didn't quite come across in my in my honest opinion. Yeah, I my number one concern and you know this like from day one i was like is sam raimi the right person for this this role and to be honest i did not right. know that this is sam raimi's first mm. directing job sent for in nine years this is his first time directing in nine years oh wow and and it is that bad <laughs> and not not to say that he's a bad director by any means but if you if you watch no, his no. films they're very much sam raimi films they're not 
that studio. Mm-hmm. So that was my fear is that this was not going to be no. a Marvel film. This was going to be a Sam Raimi film. And that's exactly what it ended up being. It's very horror-like. It's right. very violent. It's very dark. The tone is much different. The tone actually reminded me of Thor 2, which is a tone I did not enjoy in Thor. And it was something mm-hmm. I, I was not a fan of in this one. But there was a lot of aspects. And I, I actually wrote a film review today on Doctor Strange. And, you know, like you said, it's not that, like, I didn't think it was terrible. Like, I'm, I, I didn't regret watching it. But I was very underwhelmed because I I projected this to be, you know, one of the most nostalgic movies of the year. And, you know, I once again, like I've said this before, I had much criticism on saying that Thor was going to be better than this one. And, and once again, we don't know what Thor is going to be like. But I, I, I think we're starting to see, at least from this film, that it's kind of what we expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think... Uh as we mentioned before, we're both super excited for Thor because we know what to expect, right? We have Taika Waititi involved. He's directing. We saw what he did with Ragnarok. We saw how good it was. And it's just going to carry forward. Now it's just on a bigger scale. But he's already proven he can handle it. Sam Raimi comes in. This is sort of his take. Um, and my wife made the comment that it felt arrogant, like, watching this movie. It felt like he was arrogantly making a show about how he did the Marvel mm. movie. And I think it took away from the actual experience. Um, I think, first of all, let me say the acting was incredible. All the actors did a great job and it wasn't anything on them. That was a problem. Um, I think, let me start with that as a positive, right? Cause I, I feel like it's good to do positives first. So my first positive was the acting was phenomenal. They had a great cast. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch, of course, we both love and respect him as an actor, his range, um, and I think he got to show that off a little bit more in this movie, um, just playing multiple versions of himself uh, a little bit. So he did kind of get to play around with his range, although it was limited to being, you know, Doctor Strange or a version of him. Um, Elizabeth Olsen, fantastic job as the Scarlet Witch. You know, we've seen her develop through specifically WandaVision and now sort of coming in and, and playing a major role here as the villain. Um Again, she did a great job. And then all the other supporting actors and actresses, again, great job. I think they all knocked it out of the park in a in a vacuum looking at their performances. Um, they did a great job, which is what I expected, right? Because, again, this is, this is a sequel to multiple things they've been in. We already know what to expect, and, and that was great. Well, ar- arrogance is such an intriguing word, and I'm, it, it kind of just fully matches the way that I feel because... You take Sam Raimi, who has seen two of the 28 MCU films. So let me say that again. There are 28 Mm -hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe films, and he has seen two of them. And and he's now Mm -hmm. expected to go make a film that's going to fall in line with the energy and the vibe and the color schemes and the cinematic journey and everything. Like, how do you expect that to happen? You know, like you, you took... John Watts and said, Hey, we need to create something new with Spider-Man. And then he did all three of them, you know, and then he was going to do fantastic Mm -hmm. four, which he probably would have been the right person to do it until he stepped away. So I just think finding, finding somebody who's, Hey, you were involved with this, this world, if you want to call it, you know, 20 years ago with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. So let's bring you back for Dr. Strange in a completely different world, right? When Sam Raimi did Mm Spider-Man, the energy was so different. The Sony perspective of Spider-Man was so different at that time compared to what Marvel Studios is trying to accomplish. And I felt like that arrogance Mm -hmm. seeped through. You know, it said, hey, 
I'm going to do things my way. This is going to be my movie. It's going to feel like my movie. And some people absolutely love that. I, that's what I've been seeing. Like half the reviews right. are like, oh my God, I'm so glad that he he pushed it to the edge of PG-13. And it was so like violent and different. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's not a terrible thing. But at the same time, like I'm a big fan of canon and like things feeling in line with each other. That's like saying the Batman 2 mm-hmm. is going to feel like the Dark Knight. You know, it just, it, it's different. You can't have that. You needed to feel in line with what you made in the previous film. And so to your credit, you know, I do think the acting was well done. I think the dialogue was super weak personally. So that's what, in my opinion, is kind of tough. Mm-hmm. You know, you had some very forced emotional moments, um, very, very similar to the Spider-Man movies where like the dialogue is so just like blatantly staged and you're like, okay, like there was also one very, in my opinion, very cringeworthy scene where the the two boys were singing about ice cream. I don't know if you remember that scene, but I yeah. I almost lost it. I was like I, this I wish I, I didn't. Yeah, remember. exactly. I was like <laughs> how is this written in here? Like I understand kids like sing about ice cream or they want ice cream, but like the way that scene was written and portrayed, I was like, "Wow. This is not something I experience in the MCU often. I don't experience cringe-worthy moments. Like, yeah, there are going to be some dry moments. There are going to be some moments where you're like, "All right, let's get to the next scene." But having those moments consistently mm-hmm. throughout a film, that was tough for me. Yeah, I think, I think that's the only positive I have is the acting performance. But I think, I think uh, leading in, kind of building on your point of these cringe-worthy forced moments, I think almost all of the movie felt forced in the sense that it felt like Sam Raimi was so dedicated to this horror thing that he sacrificed everything else to make it happen. And there were so many scenes where you could tell he, like, it was so forced to get this horror vibe. Like, they're running through these tunnels and the doors are closing and she's breaking through and then the last one closes and they just, like, awkwardly turn around and just stare for, like, you know, 10 back and forths of that door zooming in and the dripping. And then it's like, you know, she's going to come around the corner. Like, you know, it's going to, like, be a jump scare. And she does. And it's like, oh, cool. We get the cue to run again. It's like... it just it sacrificed common sense for these moments or like same thing where you have uh, black bolt and they're like black bolt could destroy you with one word and then she's like with what mouth and it's like then they turn around and it's like he has to look down and now he has no mouth it's like you could have just said something dude like you could have just talked and hit her yeah. like and it would have been more entertaining to see her like deflect that and you know like fight it or whatever but instead it's like oh we have to set this up so you have these horror moments um, same thing with skewering that eyeball out of the, you know, the, that monster at the beginning. It's like, you know, oh, like we have to, we have to force it. So you get this very visceral feel, but it just kind of feels silly. Like multiple times during the movie, I was like, what am I watching? Like, like, what is this anymore? Like, I, I don't know what the, what the identity of this is anymore. It's just purely for shock factor, but it's, it's just fluff. <laughs> I felt like it was a lot of fluff. Well, so y- um, I completely agree. And I think that you're your aspect of like you don't know what was going on i think there's like a sense of gratification as a viewer when you go into a movie because the gratification comes from understanding what you don't understand so almost predicting like if i go to see batman i kind of know what i'm going to get even though i don't know what the story is Mm -hmm. and that was the same with dr strange i went into dr strange having some type of understanding as to what i was going to get even without knowing the story and it was completely off. Like everything mm-hmm. was off. It was completely different from anything that I thought was going to happen, let alone what I was going to feel, 
like what I was seeing, the color schemes, everything. And I was like, whoa, okay. Like I need a little bit of gratification. I need a little bit of understanding. And I have none of that right now because to your point, everything was forced into a horror scheme. And, you know, I, I remember there were moments I literally turned to Ken's and I was just like, this is a Marvel movie, right? Like I, I just, I couldn't believe yeah, what I, I was watching thought. because of these moments. And once again, that's just Sam Raimi's footprint on everything. But you mentioned, uh, um, what's his fate? What's his name? I, I've never heard of him before. The, the black bolt is that his name? Black bolt. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let, let's talk about the Illuminati for a second. Cause this is something that I was very upset about. So you have this, which by the way, <laughs> I did not know much about the Illuminati before Spider-Man No Way Home. So I decided to kind of do a little bit mm-hmm. of research, watch a couple of videos, just listen to people speak about the aspect of the Illuminati. And it sounded really, really cool. Like it's like a huge topic mm-hmm. that could be expanded on. And honestly, a topic that they could make their their own film about. Like they did not need to squeeze it into a film for five minutes. And literally that's what it was. They used the right. Illuminati as a cameo opportunity to please people and then it was literally within two minutes. It was like, all right, we're done with the Illuminati. Let's move on. I, I just couldn't fathom it. Right. I was very disappointed with the Illuminati situation. Yeah, I agree. Again, going back to cheap, it was cheap, right? It was like, I, and I, I remember we watched this. We watched this Thursday night. So this was like the first opening night. Like, so all, you know, you got all the diehard Marvel fans there. I'm sure a lot of people who saw it, you know, had this, had this atmosphere where people were cheering, you know, in the movie. Um, and I noticed that every time some every time the audience cheered, it was when somebody showed up. But it was never for a moment. It was always for a cameo. So it's like at the beginning, you get, you know, Doctor Strange shows up and everyone cheers. And then later, you know, Wanda shows up and everyone cheers. And then, you know, uh, eventually the Illuminati show up. You see John Krasinski and, and Patrick Stewart and, you know, Black Bolt. And everyone's cheering in these moments. And then no one cheered the rest of the movie because the best... <laughs> quote-unquote parts of the movie were the fan service of showing these cameos and introducing these characters but the substance behind them there was none it was just we're showing them to get a reaction and then we're moving on because sam raimi has an agenda and that's where we're headed here and it it felt so cheap because in spider-man no way home contrast that you have this build-up and this actual importance of these characters showing up toby Maguire and andrew garfield spider-man showing up actually plays a part in the story and it means something and it carries through to the end whereas in the illuminati it's like if they had shown up and helped fight through the end of the movie then it would have been cool but like they showed up just to get the reaction they were wiped out in about two minutes and we just moved on and there was no mention of them ever again or anything like that and i i I think this goes to my biggest point as to why this movie was not for me which is that there was no central message. There was no central idea. None of the characters got better for it. There was no character development. There was no story development. Like at the end of the day, I watched it. I was like, well, Wanda didn't get better because she didn't get what she wanted. And she was the villain. Doctor Strange didn't get better because he was a hypocrite. And he asked her to not to do the things that they had encouraged other people to do. You know, and then America Chavez conveniently figured out, I can believe in myself at the end. And she fixed everything. But her moms are lost in the multiverse somewhere, so she's not better for it. And, you know, all these other characters, like, no one progressed. So for me, it was like, what was the point of this, you know, even the bad Marvel movies? It's like, maybe Tony Stark has a lesson to learn. Or maybe, you know, Thor has to get through this thing in the dark world. Even though the movie's not that great, You're at the end, you're like, okay, I can see the progression. But this one, I felt like there was no progression. There was no character development. 
it was just a bunch of flashy tricks and at the end of the day nobody was any better for that's it that's it in fact, they might have even been worse That's off. an interesting take. I actually didn't think about each individual character and their outcome and where they were, you know, when they when mm-hmm. they began in the film. I will say one thing that I was frustrated with, I mean, because I was like, oh, after watching Spider-Man No Way Home, I was like, oh, don't worry. We have Doctor Strange. The multiverse. Nothing is explained with the multiverse. It's just like, oh, you, you're expected to just kind of... It was a gimmick. Yeah, you have to understand <laughs> what's happening while this entire crazy plot twist is happening. And this is where I think Marvel mm-hmm. is walking a fine line is because they're depending on people to watch their TV series to understand what's happening in their movies. And you can't expect that to happen. Like, I understand if you need them to connect, but you need answers to be or you need questions to be answered regardless whether somebody's watched the TV series or not. Because I understand like Loki had a big part mm-hmm. to play in this. I know What If had a big inspiration to this film. Um, so there's a lot. WandaVision, yeah, WandaVision obviously. obviously. Yeah, if you don't know, if you did not watch WandaVision, you'd be so confused in regards to what's happening, like mm-hmm. from the get go. So I think you know, if right. I were to look at this from like an outsider's view, and if I was just kind of painting the picture, I'd say the special effects was by far Sam Raimi's focal point, and then the story was in the back seat. You know, you're you're so caught up. I almost imagine this analogy or this scenario where you're watching this movie. And you're so focused on all the crazy things happening, very similar to Morbius, all the crazy special effects happening, that you almost forget that there's a story even involved. You're like, oh, wait, like, they're, oh, yeah, I forgot that this is a problem that they're experiencing. But the problem doesn't feel heavy enough or severe enough, so I don't really care because, like, there's all this crazy stuff happening right now. And don't get me wrong, there were some cool moments, like, when they transferred through each universe and they're like changing like into like liquids and different animations. I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's cool. But like, I want that to be a piece of the story, not the focal point. Like I'm a very story driven viewer. And so if there's no story and no meat to the substance, then, you know, it's very disappointing to me. And I had a friend actually reach out to me um, because I posted about it and I was like, wow, that was a crazy trip. And they're like, yo, what did you think? I was like, I didn't like it. He's like, dude, me too. Like, he, I, I thought he was going to be like, yo, I loved it. Like, I don't know how you didn't like it. But that's kind of the common, like, sense of what I'm hearing from people. They're just like, yo, I'm, this isn't me. It's not, I'm not vibing with this movie. And so I'm intrigued as to what pushes people in the other direction as to why they're like, oh, this is great. You know, this is the twist we needed. This is exactly the change that we were looking for. Yeah, I've heard from a couple people who did like it that they liked the cameos and the Easter eggs and sort of the, you know, the, I guess the ambiguity, like the fact that, you know, Wanda is sort of this villain, but she's kind of doing it for personal reasons. Like, those were sort of the things that I've heard from people why they like it. But I think, like I said, I'm, you and I are both very into the story and very into um, the development of that story and the characters and things like that. I I think um, this is the first time in a long time that I've seen a Marvel movie where, like, I was checking out in it. Like, I think most Marvel movies I've seen, even the bad ones, like, you go in there and it's a closed experience, right? It takes you on this journey, you know, whether it's cheesy or whether it's lackluster, like, at the end, like, you come out of it and you kind of, like, snap out and you're like, oh, back to the real world. But this one, I felt myself multiple times, like, getting bored with just like okay like sam raimi's forcing another horror moment or here's a bunch of visual effects but with no meaning behind them like 
And so I felt multiple times I was like, what am I watching? Or like, is this a Marvel movie? Or like, what's going on here? Or like, do I want to keep watching this? Like, you know, I had myself like kind of resurface multiple times and, and kind of asked myself what was going on. Um, and then I would force myself to get back into it. But it, it, it just felt so disjointed. And and I, I took a, a line from your Fantastic Beasts popcorn review I was listening to, ambitiously underwhelming. That's how you describe Fantastic Beasts, and I think that's a perfect encapsulation of this. Because I, I give Sam Raimi credit and Marvel for trying, you know, something different. Because I feel like Marvel movies have become very cookie cutter. Like they're very, you know, predictable, and they have these certain things they hit, which is safe, you know. And, and props to them for swinging, but it was a miss. Um, and I think, you know, what, I can I can contrast it to Taika Waititi, who's done Thor. Where it felt like it was still, he never sacrificed anything to put his style on it. Where I feel like Sam Raimi sacrificed almost everything to put his style yeah, on it. I, um, I completely agree with that. I think I think Sam Raimi was selfish in this aspect. Which, once again, mm-hmm. if you're the director, you have the control to say, hey, we're going to do things this way, this way, it doesn't matter. Like, And Sam right. Raimi, I don't know if you know Sam Raimi pretty well. But I've seen, I've watched interviews with Sam Raimi. He is not somebody that is going to be flexible or like super accommodating he's very much like you're gonna do this and you're gonna do it the way i want to do it like i saw him and toby mcguire mm-hmm. getting into it many times on the set of spider-man and that's just the type of director he is he's very much somebody who who needs control and wants it and i like that you mentioned uh, about like the ambition in regards to this film because the last line of my my film review for this movie as I said, I'm sure many will see the dark twist as a refreshing take for Marvel, whereas I saw it as an ambitious flop. So that's exactly the way I perceive this film. Even to me, even the cameo appearances were very weak. Like I felt like I, yeah. I loved seeing John Krasinski, but I felt like every line he was saying was so staged and so forced. And it just didn't come out naturally where I was like, this isn't the type of Mr. Fantastic I would imagine, you know, like when you see Andrew Garfield, he looked uncomfortable. He did look uncomfortable. Like he genuinely did. Cause when you mm-hmm. see Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man No Way Home, they kind of just casually show up in the scene, which I think is brilliant by John Watts. Cause he's like, I don't want this to be a like, Oh, like moment, you know, where it's like focus on them, yeah. bright lights, music bumming, you know, they're just like, no, let's casually bring them in and then let the fans bring mm-hmm. that energy. You know, like, we're not going to put the energy right. where in this film, I felt like every time they focus on John Krasinski, it's like, look, Mr. Fantastic. This is John Krasinski. You guys all wanted him. And it's like, that's, I didn't like that emotional pull. Same with Peggy Carter. You know, I was like, okay, like, cool. Like, yeah. you're, you're making it feel like I'm watching Chris Evans on, on screen right now, but I'm not. So I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was just, everything felt, I feel like forced is a great word to describe this film. I felt like, Cheap thrill is a good description for it. Um, I just I just don't think that if this was a standalone Sony film, I think it would fit the vibe of what they were looking for. But it it was yeah. an MCU film, and I think that's what they did wrong. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It felt like a Sony film. It felt like what you've described as Morbius as feeling like a bunch of CGI, no story, all about the the wow moments but they're few and far between and honestly everything else just falls flat um and i think it was a i think it was again i give them credit for trying and and being ambitious but at the same time it's like you brought this up earlier you know there's sort of this feeling of of urgency to go see everything marvel now because they've expanded this universe so much and star wars is getting here too but 
um, it's it's still not quite to that point. Like the Kenobi show, I think people will feel obligated to watch this, whereas Boba Fett, you probably could have passed on it and not felt like you were missing out on too much. But at this point, where every Marvel movie coming out now is basically the next chapter in a very long story, and the fact that you have some on TV through Disney Plus, you have some on um, in the movies, you know, it 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 almost felt like you have to see this. And when people are asking like what I thought about it, it was hard to give a, an honest opinion because as a standalone movie without any Marvel context, I would have say don't go see it. It's not very good. Yeah. But I I found myself telling people you have to go see it once because it's the next chapter in the Marvel story, but I wouldn't see it again is sort of my, my recommendation to people because I can't tell them to not go see it because I didn't like it because you have to get the information to appreciate the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And this was such an integral chapter that it felt, it felt hard to give an honest recommendation when it was, it's kind of necessary. You know, if you like Marvel and you like Marvel's, mcu then you have to see it you just like any bad show that comes out on disney plus and just like any bad movie that comes out in the theater you have to see it just so that you can stay current which brilliant to them you know bravo you guys are making a ton of money like you've got everybody hooked now but it's just like a very long tv show that you can't miss a an episode of otherwise you won't have any idea what's going on going forward yeah and this goes back to you know our conversation we had what two weeks ago or so and you know were we talking about you know, why are, why aren't people flocking for original content? It's because we, as the viewers pay mm-hmm. money, right? Like Dr. Strange yeah. in the multiverse of madness made, made $450 million over the weekend worldwide. That is absurd mm-hmm. that like $180 million domestically, which is incredible. Um, it actually might be, yeah, right. I think that definitely out, I think that beat out, uh, the Batman for sure. Um, yeah, but like did. once again, I, as the viewer, paid money to go see it this weekend. You, as the viewer, paid money to see it this weekend. Now, mm-hmm. once again, though, like it was almost out of the necessity to connect the dots. I probably wouldn't... I honestly wasn't super... like I wasn't craving this movie. I wasn't dying to see it. But I knew, mm-hmm. like, hey, I wanted to see if they connected the dots with Spider-Man. Oh, I wanted to see what they're going to do for the next film. Right. Which, by the way, Doctor Strange was supposed to come out before Spider-Man No Way Home, which I don't know how they would have done that. But it's... It's just like weird that you have to piece these things together and that's how Disney's getting you, right? That's how streaming services get you and they say, hey, you can only watch an episode once a week because then we release the new episodes next week. They keep you hooked for at least six mm-hmm. to eight weeks, you know, and then you're paying money for at least one, you know, two months or so. So it's like, okay, I get right. I get that they're making these films and it's going to be deemed successful because financially it's successful, but like kind of if they can look at it from a viewer perspective and understand that it was very underwhelming, even though I paid money to see it, nobody's talking about this film like, oh my God, this is the best movie of the year. Whereas Batman, it was like, when can we get a sequel announced? Like immediately, you know? Mm -hmm. After, I mean, I had to go watch it three times in theaters because I loved it that much. Whereas Doctor Strange, I'm like, oh my God, I hope I never just like stumble across this because I don't, I could not see myself watching this film again. So it's kind of an intriguing aspect on how the financials kind of you know teeter that scale towards what's successful and what's not yeah and i think i think we're starting to see i I don't know at least for me like i i feel like this was the most polarizing marvel product in a long time like i can't think of the last one that was so polarizing and most people 
maybe the most polarizing one was Civil War, but it wasn't because the movie was bad. It was just because people were taking sides. Like, are you Team Cap? Are you Team Iron Man? But that was that almost helped the movie. In this case, I think people are like, "Wow, I hated that," or "Wow, I love that." And I, I don't know. From what I've seen, more people disliked it. Slightly more people disliked it that I've talked to than liked it. Um, and I think that Marvel's sort of the first Disney and Marvel. You know, they're the first ones to sort of do this where it's it's this marvel cinematic universe where people are you know right now i think everyone's okay to pay the subscription for disney plus or go see the movie when it comes out and i'm okay with that you know they're marketing it well and like i said i feel like i haven't been disappointed with the overall experience so far and obviously that culminated in infinity war and endgame you know that was built up and well worth the wait no way home was built up and well worth the wait this one, they just kind of tried... I felt like it was a cheap imitation of those experiences where these massive cameos that happen naturally and everyone gets excited because it's been building. You know, there's no context or pretext here for John Krasinski or Patrick Stewart showing up or Black Bolt or, you know, Captain Carter, um, all these other characters. They're just like, you have no context. Here they are. Wow. Move on. Like, it was almost like he was trying to say, like, look, I can do what Marvel's already done, but better. Um, by throwing in these people, but it, it just fell flat. But I think, like, you know, obviously DC is trying to do the DCEU. You know, they've got a couple shows coming out and movies coming out that they want to sort of copy this. But I think if Marvel starts, you know, delving into kind of these weirder, stranger, like, directors or, or takes on stuff, I think it might start having people skip stuff, right? I could see, like, if another Doctor Strange movie comes out and Sam Raimi's directing it, I don't know how... I don't know if I could go see it. Like, I would, I might just be like, I'm going to skip that one and just read up on what I missed because I I am not a fan of that. So I wonder... I was going to ask you, like, do you think Marvel should keep playing it safe and sort of stick to their formula? Um, you know, maybe bring in a Taika Waititi every now and then? Or should they, you know, maybe give someone else a chance to try to swing at being original and create something new uh like they did here at the risk of it flopping or being bad because i think i think the box office numbers are just the urgency not actually the quality of the movie yeah i think we're seeing a trend right because you look at taiko waititi very very much acclaimed mm-hmm. for what he does jojo rabbit incredible oscar nomination for best picture you know making Thor Ragnarok after what was done with Thor and Thor 2 in the dark tone that they were and he he completely changed mm-hmm. it. He I would almost say that he's right. the one who kind of created the modern energy of the MCU with Thor Ragnarok because then from that point on it was kind of all comedic and loose and fun and you know Marvel to me is known as this like action-packed adventure with plenty of comedy and plenty of emotions and it's like this mm-hmm. film did not for the whole yeah, family. Yeah, for the whole family, right? This is this film was not for the whole family. This was <laughs> like I'll tell you that no, much right it was now. Not. So, in my opinion, I think it'd be worth. I know that there are there are directors who are incredible that would never touch a Marvel film. I know Martin Scorsese would never touch it, but find the acclaimed Christopher oh, Nolan would never, never touch never. it. Never, <laughs> but find the acclaimed directors who will touch it, like the Taika Waititi or anybody similar. And pay them whatever they mm-hmm. need to because we're seeing what happens when you take a very talented director in Chloe Zhao and you're saying, hey, make a Marvel film and it didn't do that well. It's like, okay, well, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we took a risk. Same thing with Sam Raimi. Hey, we're taking a, you know, a director who knows his stuff and we want you to make something. Didn't turn out the way they wanted to. 
but you take the investment, the money, the time, and you say, Taika, we want you to use your vision and make this film. And look what it's done. And now, I, to be honest, I fully believe that Christian Bale came into the Marvel Cinematic Universe because of Taika Waititi. I don't think, I don't oh, think he came on for any other reason besides the fact that he respects his work. And so that's the type of quality that you're going to get if you bring on these acclaimed directors. Whereas, you know, like even John Favreau back in the day, like he kind of took a risk in introducing Iron Man. You know, at the time he was really only yeah. known for Elf. Like that was kind of his main draw mm-hmm. as a director. And he did a phenomenal job. And that was the risk that did pay mm-hmm. off of a non-acclaimed director. And those will happen from t- time to time. You know, John Watts, I thought he did a great job with, this, with the Spider-Man tr- uh, trilogy. But I think if you can take the safe bet with the director to then make the personalized story for the film, then I feel like you kind of have a mix of both worlds. You have a mix of that risk and you have a mix of that safety. Because I'll tell you right now, I am fully convinced without seeing anything besides a teaser trailer that Thor is going to be amazing. Like I, I just, I it just have be. very high expectations, and I feel like Taika understands that. I feel like Chris Hemsworth understands that. Christian Bale says that. We talked about this. Taika said that Christian Bale is the best villain that they've ever had in the MCU. Like that. That to me, I mean, and he even said he's like, you know, I don't want to sound biased, but like, you know, I believe he is the best villain. And it's like, that's the type of shit I need to hear, you know? Like, I need to hear that from a director. Right. Whereas Sam Raimi, I didn't hear anything from him in regards to this film. I didn't hear a single thing about him. Other than that he only saw a couple yeah. movies and was, like, almost bragging about it. Like, I don't need to see MCU. I can make whatever like, yeah, I I've want. Yeah, I've seen and two of them, like, you know? And, and I saw both of them two weeks ago. I'm like, what? Okay. Like, that's not something you want to brag about after making a MCU movie. So... To your point, I think you can mix both of them by choosing a safe director who is acclaimed, who's willing to work on a Marvel film, to then put their personal touch on it. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like had Sam Raimi not been so arrogant, you know, and just wrote a good story and stuck to it and then added his touches along the way without forcing it, it would have been a really cool movie. But yeah, like leading up to this, I didn't hear any buzz about it. You know, I only heard reviews like two days before and people were like, reviews are pretty split. People love and hate it. And then it came out. Whereas like Thor, you know, I've, I've got, I've heard all these things. Like you said, like Christian Bale's the best one we've ever had. Chris Hemsworth said it's the best script we've had. Like, you know, all this stuff is coming out about Thor beforehand. Same thing with the Kenobi show. You know, I'm hearing stuff already, like quotes from Ewan McGregor, quotes from Hayden Christensen, quotes from all these people, like giving insight and details about it and and uh, it's getting me excited more than an actual trailer because we really haven't seen much from the Obi-Wan trailers. We've only had a Thor teaser trailer, but yet I'm way more excited for those based off of that than all the Doctor Strange trailers. Yeah. And I mentioned this last week, but it's it's Doctor Strange in small text and the multiverse of madness in big text. And I, and I said it's going to be about the multiverse of madness. It's not about Doctor Strange. And that's exactly what it was because it was about, you know let me show off how cool I am with all this horror and, and CGI and like wow moments and cameos. And at the end of the day, it's like, eh, you know, I'd rather have Taika Waititi actually write a story at his touches, which makes it great, but also pull in those actors. Can you imagine if Leonardo DiCaprio came in as the next villain of the Thor movie or, you know, Brad Pitt or someone who's like actually a good, like a big name, good actor. Cause I, I thought it was so funny that this movie, the villain was Wanda. It's like, the, uh, so you couldn't come up with a good enough villain or maybe you couldn't get enough, a good enough actor to come do it. It's like, you, 
you just took someone in, from the MCU and made them the villain, and because because they're under contract, anyone even accomplish. <laughs> yeah, they have to, yeah. right? They have <laughs> no like, choice. They have to be. They have to be in the film if you ask them to be because they're on a contract. That's mm-hmm. actually a great point. I li- yeah. I literally was thinking about how weak the villain hero story was. A, there, there, yeah, it was. It was there was also no no <laughs> battles, no fights, no nothing. It was it was literally just like, oh, we need to get there before she like finds us type of a thing. And I'm like, this isn't this isn't Marvel. This isn't this is not a comic book story. Like Spider Man has specific villains every single time. Iron Man has specific villains every single time. Like this that should happen every time. There should be a specific villain. That's not a superhero, you know, like that's, I just don't understand it. So I feel like that was a great point to, to pull up because I, th- I feel like the, the hero villain dynamic was non-existent. Well, and if you look at the best villains we've had specifically in, in hero, you know, superhero movies, you know, you look at Heath Ledger's Joker, I would add Paul Dano's Riddler. You know, you look at even, you know, Obadiah from the first Marvel movie, you know, Tony Stark's business partner played by um, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Like, I mean, even like some of these villains and the fact in Civil War, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of that movie, but the villain ended up being, you know, how much is your friendship worth when it's put on the line? Like, you know, some of these cool, like out of, out of the box thinking, um, like those are what define the movie and i always find myself rooting for the villain because i i love a good villain i love you know i root for palpatine or voldemort or you know thanos because it's like the better the villain is the better the story is um but again this one there was really no conflict it was just like you can't do that it's like well i want to and that was the story yeah. like and it was just people yelling that at each other through you know cgi effects the whole movie yeah and not to mention in, it, in comparison was, to uh civil war like yes i understand that they mm-hmm. were kind of going against each other there wasn't like that major villain but at the same time we understood the relationship between tony stark and captain america whereas in this film mm-hmm. wanda and dr strange have never had a relationship up to this point and they just randomly were like, you know what? No. We're going to merge these two together. And this is who we're... Like, if they mm-hmm. brought in Spider-Man to fight Doctor Strange, that would be a different story because they've built this relationship, right? They've got exactly. history. So yeah. they, they brought in two characters that had no history. And they said, we're going to make one of you bad and, and almost just expect us to fully commit ourselves to this, this conflict that was non-existent. Yeah, I feel like you could have swapped Doctor Strange being the villain and Wanda being the hero, and, and it wouldn't have really changed nope. anything. I felt they were completely interchangeable. And again, I I go back to this point, but there was, no, there was no central idea, message, theme, values that I took from this. It was, it, it, it was, you know, Wanda had the same problem at the beginning that she had at the end, and I felt like Doctor Strange had the same problem he had at the end, and America Chavez conveniently figured out she could believe in herself, but she kind of had the same problem at the end, you know, really what, what did this movie accomplish? What happened? And I think the lack of a, of a central idea or a message or a value that, you know, could have cinched everything together was just so glaring. And there was, it was really just floundering. I feel like this movie was just floundering. It's like one, one mess to the next mess to the next mess to the next mess. But what did it really accomplish? Like nothing, you know, Dr. Strange fights this, you know antithesis version of himself who's wiped out everything 
at the end of that, like what really happened, you know, he fights Wanda and, and destroys the book. And that was another thing that someone brought up is, you know, you had the, what was the name of the good book? The book that'll like oh, give you whatever birthday wish yeah. you want. But that was in there for 10 seconds. They show up and they grab it and then it's like gone in a second. It's like, that's just how bad, poorly written this was that it's like, you have this, this dark book that's causing all these problems. And it's like, if we can just get rid of that, you know, we'll be okay. And then it's like, well, we got this antithesis that like, gives me whatever wish I want. Like, that's so convenient. (laughs) And so they just go and find it and instantly it's destroyed. And they're like, well, I guess we'll go to the next plan, which is just do the same thing she's doing, which has horrible consequences, but I'll take the horrible consequences. And now we're both cursed. Like, I don't know. It just, it was just like, why are you putting these things in there? Like, you know, make that book mean something or, you know, give Dr. Strange some values, but it ended up just being a big mess. I yeah, think. no, I completely agree. I thought that this movie was underwhelming for how big of a budget, how big of a, a hype credit to the marketing team. Cause they did a great job. They got people in the seats. They got people in the theaters. People paid a lot of money to go to see mm-hmm. it. My last question for you is if you're watching the Marvel movies in chronological order and you're doing a marathon, what movies are you, are you skipping? Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> Um, I, I think if at one day, at one point it ends, you know, I'd probably watch everything in a row just to say I did it if I was going to commit to that. But if I was going to do it again, I would skip. I am a firm believer. There's only one good movie in each superhero string of movies. Okay. Like in, let's say Thor In Thor Ragnarok is the only good one. The first two aren't very good. That'll be the exception because Taika's doing love and thunder so that one will also be good in the captain america series i only liked the winter soldier really I didn't like the original one okay yeah because it again the story was like okay like bucky's your best friend but now he's the villain like how much does that really mean to you like it's it's the story is what do you do when your best friend is the enemy and how loyal are you to them or your job, you know, or, or your your values to, to defend against him. Was, was Civil so, War a Captain America same thing, movie? Uh, was it technically Captain I, America? You could call it. I think it was. Um, I think it was called Captain America Civil War. Yeah, it is. I kind of don't count that. I almost count it as an Avengers yeah, movie. Yeah, it is an Avengers movie. I wasn't the biggest fan of it, though. Like, it, it was still good. It was still fine. But that you know, that's definitely regarded wasn't as one of favorite. the better MCU movies, for sure. It was good. I, I don't love it, love it, but I would say it's one of the better ones. Um, the first Guardians of the Galaxy was good. The second one was not. Agreed. Um, the first Iron Man was good. The next two Agreed. were not. Um, the, the first Ant-Man was good. The second one was not. You know, The first Doctor Strange was good. The second one was not. So I guess for me, I would just pick the best of each, each set. Um, I think the only exception is the actual Avengers movies. I didn't like the first one, but I did like Age of Ultron. And I liked Infinity War. Infinity War is still my favorite Marvel movie they've ever made. Um, and then Endgame, you kind of have to watch those together. And then Spider-Man, I'd, I'd probably skip the first two and watch No Way Home. All right, that's that's fair enough. I'll tell you right now, Thor 2 will be skipped every single time I'm watching all the movies. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that one, that's, that one is probably one of the worst <laughs> they've done but i would i would probably rank doctor strange as the who worst who made thor 2 i'm gonna i'm about of, to call him out right now alan taylor you're you're the director huh what did alan taylor do yeah game of he, thrones 
Anderson. Which season? He, he it says from 2011 to 2017, so he's definitely been involved with a lot. Okay. Yeah, so it looks like Oh, he only did 7 episodes. So, like I guess you can I mean, those are all a movie the in another That's a good point. That's a good so. point. So, yeah, he did do 7 of those. He did The Sopranos. Um, so he's done he's done oh, a wow. lot of TV, okay. which is kind of funny. And I think that okay. that's almost like the contrast between like well, it's it's almost like sorry to bring up sports, but it's like if you hire a head coach from college in the NBA, it's there's not a high probability that that success rate is going to be good, you know. But if you hire another NBA coach who's had experience as an NBA head coach, then you're probably going to have a better, you know, you're going to have better odds. And I feel like that's the same thing. Like if you take somebody who's so invested in TV and you say, hey, we need you to make this mm-hmm. huge film. You know, by the way, it's a sequel. So there's already more pressure on your so- on your shoulders. Like we need you to do this. I think that's it's kind of hard to ask of Alan Taylor. And I under- and I know that Kenneth Branagh did the first one, which it wasn't as bad as the second one, but it's definitely one that I'm never looking forward to watching. So it was completely forgettable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think you know obviously they're they're switching around directors they're trying different things but i think you know like i said if if you take my my opinion right because this is just me saying there's one good movie in each series you know let's say that's right right i'm not saying that i'm right and you know if you enjoy all the marvel movies like that's awesome you know you have more content to enjoy but it it, let's say it one in three movies is is really good and worth rewatching. you know that sounds about right, you know, for, for cycling and directors and trying different things. Because Thor now has had three different directors for the first three movies. You know, Iron Man had different directors. You know, you have different directors for Doctor Strange. You know, these movies, they're trying to get new people involved. Because it's a lot, right? You know, the actors are locked in, but the directors aren't. Always. So, you know, they got to bring in someone new to try to carry on this vision, this this feeling. And it's tough you know I, I don't i don't envy the job of the person who has to keep bringing in a director to make another great movie you know some of them are going to flop and that's okay but you know i think i think it was more avoidable here than before so. yeah i need i need um, you to give me a rating want, on my scale dude i need you to give me a rating one out of ten yeah Oof. well like i said this one's hard because for the purely the quality of the movie i would say there's no urgency to go see this or in fact it was bad don't see it but because it's looped into the marvel universe and it's got canon stuff and it and it maybe progresses the story um then i I feel like you have to see it so i I would say see this movie once but if you're not that excited by it you're not going to see anything in this movie that's going to get you excited if you are excited by it you're probably going to love it and i think you kind of know who you are at this point because people have given feedback and you've probably seen a little bit more about the movie if you love sam raimi movies you'll probably love it if you like horror and dark and grotesque sort of feel vibe like you'll probably like it but if you love sort of the classic marvel movie this is not that and i would say you'll probably be disappointed so lower your expectations a little bit watch it once get it out of the way you've seen it you're caught up and then just never see it again. So it's great. That's a great review right there. What about you, man? It's it's hard to quantify this one because it's it's got that that need to see it urgency of of being looped in on Marvel. So how do you quantify yeah, it? Yeah, no, honestly, I think you nailed it right on the head. I think there's this there's this 
argument going back and forth between this movie is not good, but then this movie is necessary. So it's like, okay, in my opinion, it's a movie that I believe everybody should go see once if you're into Marvel. If you're a Marvel mm-hmm. fan, see it. Right. Don't don't hold back. Don't Yeah, don't you have, have to. You know, and, and if you do go see it, go see it with an open mind. See every movie with an open mind. I don't care what you've seen, what the reviews are. I mean, I've had movies that have had terrible reviews, and I've gone in, and I've loved them. And then vice versa, they've had, you know, great reviews, and I've gone in and hated them. So I would say, you know, personally, with my scale of going through and really just seeing this film as kind of this violent horror twist that's very much a Sam Raimi film with minimal story and minimal dialogue and it wasn't really thought out and it had some cringeworthy moments but yet you know it had some cinematically beautiful moments at the same time I would personally give it a 6.3 out of 10 Um, so it's very much in the mindset like anytime I rate something in the sixes it's very much like I think you should see it once but I think that's probably going to be enough so that is my overall scale for Doctor Strange. Yeah, and if you guys if you guys do love it, I know this was an overly critical <laughs> and negative review, which we de- we typically don't do. I feel like we we you know we can see something and and genuinely pull a lot of positives out of it, even if we don't like it as an overall you know product. But this one, I just genuinely don't feel like there's much here to save it. Um, but I am definitely curious to hear from people who genuinely loved it and think it was amazing you know feel free to let us know you know we you know we're just giving our opinions here we're by no means saying we're right but we'd love to hear the other side um, of someone who loved it and and why you loved it and what made it great for you um, because we just didn't see it so you know we're always down to have an open mind and and an open dialogue about you know movies and film and tv because it's something that we love we love to discuss analyze talk about it Um, so like i said let us hear your thoughts we're more than happy to hear it and let us know what you're, what else you're watching. You know, I feel like we're starting to jump into summer You know, we've got a lot of movies coming out, a lot of TV shows coming out. It's going to be a busy couple months coming up. So if there's something you want us to cover or something you want us to give some thoughts on, whether it's a popcorn review or a major review, let us know. And we're, we're all ears. Yeah. Thanks guys. Have a good one.